You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hey, everybody, we're back in the open. Hi, guys. Today's topic is, was my childhood traumatic or normal? This is a new series for us. We're going to explore this in a couple of episodes here in the next few weeks. And I think for both of us, we have an interest in really going down this path because a lot of the conversation that came out of our grief episodes ties to many of our childhood experiences and how our thoughts kind of came about. So I think this is the next kind of step in our conversation. So I hope people follow us along on this journey. It's funny because I remember talking to a friend and she just started therapy and she was, you know, you're kind of a parent for the first time or you're entering a relationship for the first time and all of these things come up in in your relationships and and when you're a parent and it it shapes the way that you act or it shapes everything, right? And she was like, I did not think that I had a traumatic childhood. And, And it was like, it's because the the word trauma, I think that that elicits a particular threshold. You're like, oh, yep. oh, did you reach trauma? And people don't like that. They're like, well, I don't want to think that my life was traumatic. Like I wasn't traumatic. Like that person had trauma, you know? Right. Or like if I lived or survived trauma, I'm like, oh, well, that's not traumatic because the- look at my trauma, you know? And and that I sets love your up this, voice. That's that's trauma over that's, there. That's trauma. <laughs> but the, somebody is going to be a stickler and say, "Well, it needs to reach a threshold so you can define it or give it structure, but or meaning." But our lives shape the way we see the world. Yeah, and there are little things and big things that just stick with you. You know, when, I, when I've done trainings in the past um, in a range of different ways and topics, I always talk about trauma being self-defined because your trauma is not the same as my trauma. And I know in a book somewhere, it says, these are the parameters that you have to meet to then have this. No, man. If you think that something that has happened to you and it has had some emotional impact in your life, that's trauma. If you're yeah. carrying that emotion with you into the rest of the things that you do in your life, that's trauma. Yeah. The book will say that it had to be life-threatening, you know? Yeah. And, and yes, life-threatening trauma is another level of trauma. And for people who experience life-threatening trauma, as a survivor myself and seeing people who come back from the military or have experienced a recent sexual assault or burglary, like these events do. If I think you just live long enough to experience something like that. Yeah. And you know, you're like, okay, I can tell the difference between, yes, this experience was very traumatic, but this did shape my life. And I, yeah. And it stuck. It was sticky in a way that really can screw things up or just become a conflict. And to me, those are honestly equally as important, but we don't give them enough airwave time. We don't talk to people about how that that's why people go to therapy. Yeah, I definitely think that there has been a lot of discussion around big T trauma right? How that influences your life. But the lower level of traumatic experience 
if you yourself may not see it as a traumatic experience, it's not until maybe you're talking or sharing with someone that they're like, dude, that happened to you? Oh, what? gosh, I hate that face. Yeah. And then Stop. you're like, what do you mean? It that? And for you, it was like so normal. It, it has not in any way been interpreted as traumatic until you put it up against somebody else's experience. Or when somebody points out to you that that doesn't feel normal. That's where the yeah. the red flag in your brain goes, wait, wait, that's not normal. And you're like, normal, not normal. Yeah. Somebody's signaling to me that I'm weird. That I'm weird. <laughs> no, that brain mechanism is yeah. like your brain is designed to be like when something f- feels like there's when that situation happens that you're called out that you're abnormal or strange or yeah. weird. That's I think that's designed in us to to set you up to protect yourself to be like, yeah, hey, somebody's putting something out and trying to tell you that that's not normal and there's probably some anthropological reason why that's the case right because we just used to kill people (laughs) who weren't part of the tribe yes you don't belong yes 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 which is why we're all all people are oriented towards this thought that's why it resonates with us so much that's why you want more than anything to feel normal i think but as you get older you realize no one's normal totally do you think um do you think that your childhood was traumatic? Just yes or no? Absolutely. But you know what's wild? Okay, so this happened in therapy as I got older because I have had enormous trauma. And the trauma when I talk in therapy that happens was the sexual abuse that I experienced as a child, the physical abuse that I experienced as a child, and then on the edges, the emotional or verbal abuse, right? And that's always been prominent in my brain. And what's wild recently, like two years ago, started therapy again in a different context. And I realized that I also experienced bouts of neglect. Mm. But because I experienced all these other traumas, I never gave that time. Right. It was overshadowed by every by everything else. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, whoa, actually, my neglect shapes a lot of the way that I reacted, ways that I did not aware, I was not aware of. And, you know, you start to think about what kind of trauma did you experience in the earliest stages of your life? Like in a lot of trauma research, we talk about the importance of zero to three years old, zero to five years old. And now I'm unpacking that. Yeah. Like 30 years later, right? Yeah. Totally. But was it traumatic? Yeah, it's this has been a long like when I when we first started this podcast in 2019, I don't think I could have even said that out loud. You know, I was in Completely. heavy denial and fear. So it's big milestone that I can even say this to you. I'm so glad I am. And I think say that, that without falling apart. Yes. Like, I'm yes, like, I was wow, did say I just say that out loud? I didn't fall apart and get choky like or self-deprecating or hateful or whatever. Mm hmm. You yeah. you owned it as it as an experience that you've had, and it's just it's there. I mean, and this is what healing looks like, right? So, but yes, Teresa, no, my childhood is very horribly traumatic. And when we go to a therapist and we lay out all that stuff, like when I go to my own therapist, they just normally look at me and they're like, "That's a lot." <laughs> it's like I haven't finished because some part of you always also wants to measure to make yourself feel better, you know. My my experience it it doesn't connect to 
the way that you've expressed your experience, I don't think I realized until much later, like in my early 20s, that my childhood, though it was a good one, there were there was trauma embedded in it that I didn't even realize was trauma. Because when we came to the United States, there are pockets of memories that I can't, my brain will not allow me to explore. Mm. Now, through therapy and everything, I know that that's my brain keeping me safe. 100%. That is the biggest reason why I think I'm afraid to do higher level trauma therapy stuff. I'm like, why would you want to unlock that? I put it away for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel you, man. And some people come back who've done the work. And, you know, I have friends who are like, no, you have to do this because basically, even though you don't feel it, it it's taking up space in your brain. It's right. causing actual problems for you. And I've experienced what it feels like to unlock that space and preserve that space to make room for other things. Because <laughs> even if you, you don't know it's there, it's there. And it's mm -hmm. really screwing you up. And I'm like, I know that's true, but. I'm functioning. <laughs> I, but that's a very hard conversation, babe. And that, that step to be willing to put yourself into a position where you do have to open the box of whatever that exists in our head yeah. and be like, here you go. I'm going to dump it all out. Yeah, do something no. with it. You know, it's like uh... half of my therapy in all of my life has been <laughs> my therapist trying to convince me to go there and meet. <laughs> basically convincing them why we need to stay in problem solving therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like period. I'm like, I double down and I don't know how to get there. I recognize that it's not helping me, but I'm scared. But that's a big step. Let me tell you, that's a big step for you to say and recognize. I don't want to go there because of the fear that's associated with that experience. Yeah. And maybe you'll get there at some point, but that recognition and acceptance, I think, is very critical to move forward. Well, this is the other thing. It's an affordability thing because I don't have to have a therapist unlock that crap. I have family members who unlock that crap. Some family member will come see something and be like, remember when X, Y, or Z? And I, my brain will just explode. I'll be like, oh, my God, that's horrible what you just said. And why don't I remember that? Mm-hmm. And you said it, and now I can't tell if it's a true memory or if it's – yeah. You just told me it was true. So my brain was like, oh, that happened, you know? And so much of recovering from trauma is not gaslighting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that every time that happens, I'm set back four months. Hmm. And it derails me. I have to, I have to work, dude. I don't have time. So part of me is like, you know, if all I had to do was unlock my trauma and live my best life self, then I guess I could do this. But no, my butt has to get up every day at 6 a.m. to show up for someone somewhere. I don't have time. I don't yeah. have the time or the ability to do that. I can't be unlocked for four months at a time to be a better person because this is as best a person that I could be today. You're tapping into something that's really important around one, the recognition, right, that this may happen, but two, the idea that you have to be prepared and, and know what you're stepping into. Not fully like, oh, these are the steps that are going to be. No, not that. It's like, this is going to be hella scary. I'm not really going to have a lot of direction. It's going to feel super uncomfortable and I may be ready to jump in. But I think the difference is 
in your example, right, your family member comes up and says something to you and it's like unlocking something, the therapist will definitely, if they're, if they are really working well with you, will help guide and help you break down whatever's happening with your body, with your mind and all that. And that's why safety is important. I I don't think I realized that (laughs) until my fifth therapist. You're like, if you don't feel safe with your therapist, you're never going to unlock that, that level. (laughs) You're not going to enter that level of the game, you know? My last therapist was really great because she helped me really understand. She asked me questions like, tell me about your childhood right now. I was like, I mean, it was good. I was with my parents, you know, like Mm -hmm. very like kind of general. And then she's like, no. And I started asking very pointed questions like, how did you, you know, deal with conflict? And then I have to think back, like when I was six, how did I deal with conflict? Oh, I love these questions. I feel like these are the childhood attachment questions that therapists are armed with. Yeah. How did you deal with conflict? Yeah. My version of that was, oh, go ahead. No, I could tell something's on your mind. The other one is punishment. How were you punished? How are you punished? Uh Mine was when something bad happened, who comforted you? Mm. But those, those tap, those immediately tap into those questions, tap into certain, I'm going to say emotional states, because I know it's tied to our brain, but it's, it's the emotion that immediately comes to you. Yeah. Another one that I don't know that I've anybody has asked me, but I did learn it in class. I'm like, why don't I integrate this? But like, what rituals do you remember growing up? Mm-hmm. Like, did you have birthdays? Who, yep. How do you know you were someone cared about you? Mm-hmm. Who was your primary go to provider? Like your your caregiver? Yeah. And I was like, my yeah. parents. And she's like, no, I want you to tell me more. Who was the person that you went to when you needed something? Needed something. Needed comfort. Yeah. Those questions help me really understand a little bit more about how I am today. Yeah. I like the way you're saying, how are you punished? Yeah. Okay. Can I go to that for one (laughs) second? Because you're punished by a lot of different people. But when I was very young, I wasn't punished at all. That was part of the neglect, right? Mm -hmm. And that was very interesting because my, my, my partner... He's an example of someone who, because he had money in a house or something, he's like, oh, this is like a traumatic childhood or whatever. But I was like, but your dad punished you guys in ways that affect the way that you see yourself and Mm -hmm. the way that you talk, the tone you use, the impatience you have, the way that you don't want to be when you get impatient. Mm -hmm. That was a great question. I remember being um, like spanked. My dad never spanked me. My mom spanked me. Uh-huh. And that, that was, you know, she was the one that would come like with a belt. Mm-hmm. But it's so normalized. It totally is. And uh, it wasn't until like these questions come up and, I was, and you start asking yourself, wait, is that influencing how now I, I, I deal with conflict? How I interact with others? One of the things that is so true and continues to be true. As I as I grew into uh, being an adolescent, my mouth would get me in trouble. You know, like I would just say stuff, and man, my mom would like definitely be like, "Hey, what are you talking about?" You know. So they had this thing where they consistently, this is ingrained, like count to ten before you say anything. Mm. And I hated when they said that to me. I hated it, you know. And but it's. <laughs> 
<laughs> so true. And part of that required for me to self-soothe whatever was happening. Even though they were there, I was, it was responsible. I was the one that was responsible to calm myself down, relax my brain enough to be able to say what I need to say and, you know, hopefully in a nice way. But in the same vein, I talked to my dad about this the other day, right? I was like, you guys, it, I know you were trying to do good by me by trying to teach me that. But in the same time, you created who I am today. Because now when, when somebody's trying to support me in a moment of crisis, I'm like, no, I can do it all by myself. I'm self-soothing, damn it. I'm self-soothing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I have to unlearn that. That's so interesting to me because that's an example of unpacking a moment where two people or three people, whoever your mom, dad, and you were involved, three different perspectives of an interpretation. Because I would not have interpreted, me hearing the story wouldn't have interpreted that that's how your small brain at five interpreted that message. And that may not yeah. be what your parents thought was Correct. what they were trying to impart on you, but that's that's the message you got. And that yes. message that you got is what you carried forward for the rest of your life. Yep. And it takes a lot of unpacking for us to go back to be to say, what was the message mm -hmm. that I got and that I carry forward the rest of my life? It was, you know, my parents and I have a very open relationship and we can talk about so many things. So when I brought this up and my dad was just like, huh. He's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know we had done that. You know, I was like, yeah. of course you wouldn't know that you'd have done that. You know, I, I, it's taken me 40 years to be able to conceptualize this in a way that I can communicate it. Yeah. I said, but I wanted you to know that, you know, yeah. because in the end, regardless if you're a parent, you're an aunt, you're a caregiver, you're still a whole person, Yeah. you know, and I think we miss that, yeah. that part because they're learning as much as we are. <laughs> A hundred percent. I also think it's not all good or all bad. I totally. Think when we think of trauma, everybody wants to assign trauma as a bad thing. But so my mom, I love her, but she was old when she had me. I was an accident child. And there was this story. It's not story. This is the narrative she told me. I think it's really funny, but she was like she basically my whole life has told me that she thought that she had stomach cancer but found out and said that she was pregnant with me <laughs> and she's like I would have rather had stomach cancer <laughs> instead I had you <laughs> but when I tell people that story yeah that's the reaction I get is awe yeah but I know some part of me feels like yes this is sad okay because that did shape a lot of my childhood <laughs> it explains a lot of the neglect but I have a wicked sense of humor. I'm just sarcastic. And part of it is because I grew up with a mother who told me that I was worse than stomach cancer. I don't know, you know, I'm like laughing through the trauma. But 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 I but I don't hate that about myself. I I because it probably protected me in a lot of ways because then yes, I did also experience a lot of really horrible things and a huge coping skill in my life has been humor. Yeah. And it saved me in a lot of ways, you know? So some would, people would be like, well, that's maladaptive or whatever. I'm like, whatever. I'm alive. I think too, though, it speaks to, it adds an additional layer to the narrative. When you could easily say, yeah, you know, my reaction is like, ah, but what led your mom to even have those thoughts, right? 
Because I know you her, have several her siblings. own trauma. Like, right. right. Yes, a hundred percent. Her own trauma. A hundred percent. And you know, I'm going to say this one one more thing around this connection about us and parents and that. I totally agree with your thinking around everything not being black and white. But in addition to that, I also think a really important aspect of what that experience is, being a parent, being a caregiver of some kind, and then being the the child, we take on so much of past traumas that are not spoken. They just happen and they, they're like second nature in our experience mm-hmm. that it may come up again in the future that somebody identifies this as X thing that, oh my God, it has shaped your thinking. And the other hand, you're like, that's just part of who I, I am. That's, that's yeah. And you don't think anything about it. That's where I think the gray area exists for me. There's so much room to do so much interpretation. You know what the question I get that really unlocks that? that feels even more scary is um, if you could turn back time, if you could turn back time, <laughs> Sorry. like, would you change your past? No. I think you get asked this question a lot throughout life and mm-hmm. you ask yourself this question. And I will say there were times in my life I was like, I guess not, but mostly in the end in my brain, I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. I say no. Maybe that says something about the degree of trauma one faces. Totally. I think yeah. it's tied to the degree of trauma. I think it's also tied to an outgrowth of that trauma because there could be a more pessimistic or optimistic viewpoint. And and I think for people who ask that question, it comes from a place of they want to make you focus on how you've healed and turn mm. a traumatic experience into something positive. And they'll say, well, would you take it away? Because look at what you've done and look at where you've come and like all the things that you've accomplished despite it or because of it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you're asking me that because you want to feel better about what happened or because what I'm sharing with you and the suffering that I'm sharing with you is uncomfortable for you. Yes. But no, dude. Of course, I would not ever want those things to happen. I don't care that my life has been shaped in this particular way. (laughs) And it taps right back in the last conversation we had about turning your pain into activism. Because yes, somewhere in my life, could I have been a healthier, more balanced human being if I didn't have my whole life revolve around this stuff? You know, whereas growth and growth mindset and I think some researchers call like healthy trauma or healthy growth opportunities. Yes, there are things that push you and nudge you and are painful, but you see the benefit of them because in the end, you really come out on the other side better for it. But that's Mm -hmm. not trauma per se, because it's learning. And the difference is that you could look back at the learning experience and say, I see how that helped me grow. I can look at that experience and say, I, I see how that was learning because it's not like I learned that X people are unsafe. It's mm-hmm. I learned a skill. I learned myself. I learned my identity. I learned something. I don't know. I'm unpacking this. No, right I, I really like that framework. But that's where I think that's that's part of the human existence, right? Where we are, we're consistently trying to find meaning and we're and trying to associate some sort, attach some sort of meaning to an experience because it's so overwhelming 
for us to carry on our own. And that is healing. Yes, it, it is. I really think for all of the things that I've been thinking about and that I've been, that I've explored and I've been exploring in therapy and all that, there are folks who do not, they don't want to talk about crap that's happened. It is what it is. They, and they don't look back. There's no interest in looking back because they're like, I'm going to be who I am today moving forward. That's it. And you have to respect that in the same way that they have to respect the fact like, no, I want to dig in. I want to learn more. I want to understand why the hell I I make this kind of decision all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's part in itself that that exploration, I think, is a privilege for us to be able to say, no. You got to respect where I where I am in my journey in the same way that I have to respect that you don't even want to have a journey. You've just accepted it what it is. And it's really interesting. Didn't we talk about in grief the 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 fine line between denial and acceptance? You know like people mm-hmm. who don't want to tap into the story, they don't want to address it. Are they in denial or are they in full acceptance? It's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. <laughs> I think most mental health professionals would be like, actually you're in denial. <laughs> But denial is a powerful drug, okay? Yeah. (laughs) It's super helpful. You can't push people to to explore things if they're not ready. Yeah. So if we if we are being very intentional about working closely with an individual, then we have to give them the space to be able to say, no, that area for you is not allowed. Yeah. We're gonna talk about how do I talk to my supervisor, you know, <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> or how do I have a conversation with my mm-hmm. parent? But anything else beyond that? Yeah. No. So I think anybody looking up this question on the internet, if you're looking up was my childhood traumatic, the answer is probably yes. <laughs> I don't think you even look it up if your childhood wasn't that traumatic. Yeah, if you're asking yourself the question. So now if you're asking this question and you've landed in the space, we're going to end with, yes, it was traumatic. The more important question was how and what does that mean for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it doing to you now? All right. All right, people. We're going to talk to you all next week. Keep fighting in the open. 